You're listening to the Digital Barbell Podcast. Our mission is to provide you with a clear path to health and fitness through education, coaching, and accountability. We are your hosts, Jonathan and Blakely Fletcher, and we are here to serve you. If you like what we're doing, please subscribe to this podcast and leave us a five-star review so that we can reach more people. You can find us daily on Instagram and Facebook at Digital Barbell. Now, let's get to today's topic. All right, guys, welcome to episode number 99 of the Digital Barbell Podcast. Holy smokes, next one will be 100. How about that? Hashtag consistency. I'm flying solo on this episode. Sometimes it's good to take a break from the question and answers, from the interviews, and just really go deep into a topic, and that's what we are doing today. Before we get into it, if you've never taken a chance to give us a rating or review on our podcast, we would greatly appreciate it. Apple, Spotify, all those companies, they show our podcast to random people based on how many people are leaving us reviews. So if you have a minute, jump in there, leave us a five-star review and a couple words, and we'll be able to reach more people. Today, we are talking about bulking. What a great time of year to talk about bulking. We are in the midst of a bulk and looking forward to making the most gains that we can during this time. So bulking, muscle building, making gains, the process of going from less to more jacked. Sometimes it's easy to forget that fat loss isn't the only thing out there when it comes to training and nutritional strategy. Don't get me wrong. Obesity is a massive problem that is wreaking havoc on half of the U.S. population and the entire healthcare system. Think about that for a minute. About half of the population is obese. That puts them at extra risk for diabetes, heart disease, stroke, and certain types of cancer. It is a big freaking deal. But that's not what we're talking about today. We're talking about people who need to or want to gain weight by adding muscle. In gym lingo, it's called bulking. In this episode, we're going to cover seven main topics. Here they are. What bulking is, how to know if you should bulk, what makes muscle grow, the training you'll need to do when bulking, the nutrition knowledge you need when bulking, how to bulk the wrong way, how to bulk the right way, and the supplements we recommend for bulking. So let's dive in and start with what bulking is. Bulking is the slang, or like I said, gym lingo, bro science term for the deliberate process of gaining weight and building muscle. Bulking accomplishes two main things. For starters, bulking increases your muscle size or your lean body mass, you know, filling out those shirt sleeves, growing your abs, making those shoulders and quads pop when you're at the beach or flexing in the bathroom mirror. But bulking also increases your strength, and who doesn't want to be stronger? Without muscle, there is no strength. Without strength, there is weakness, sickness, and dependence on others. Thumbs down to that. Remember how I said that bulking increases your muscle size? So the goal of a proper bulk is to gain weight by increasing muscle mass and not just your total body weight. If you don't know what you're doing during a bulk, you might end up just gaining extra fat. Double thumbs down. Keep listening to this episode and by the end you'll know exactly what to do and how to do it right. So now that we know what bulking is, how do you know if you should do it? Well, there are basically two types of people who might want or need to spend some time bulking and building muscle. The first is the untrained skinny person, sometimes called hard gainers. These are usually people with ectomorph body types 
that are naturally pretty thin and have trouble putting on size in general. These folks might have low body fat levels around 10% for men and around 20% for women, but have no noticeable muscle on their frame. These people aren't fat by any means, they're just under-muscled or skinny fat. But have no fear, hard gainers and untrained ectomorphs, there is hope. The second kind of person primed for a bulk is the lean, trained person. This type of person who wants to bulk is the trained man or woman who has already built a lot of muscle previously and now has cut down to low body fat levels. A cut is gym speak for a period of fat loss, or the opposite of a bulk. Most people that achieve admiral physiques don't get there quickly, and they don't get there all in one step. It's more common for people to go through cycles of cutting and bulking that allow them periods of focused muscle growth, followed by periods of intense fat loss. So are you wondering yet if you should cut or bulk? Well, as a general rule, men get the most out of a bulk when they start out quite lean, around 10 or 12% body fat. And most women get the most out of a bulk when starting around 20% body fat. Why these numbers, you ask? Well, I'm glad you asked. For starters, building muscle is a marathon, not a sprint. During a bulk, gaining some body fat is inevitable. We'll talk about that more later, though. If you start your bulk at low body fat levels, you can pack on more muscle over longer periods of time without noticing that you've lost as much muscle definition. Essentially, you're buying yourself a longer runway of still liking the way you look as you bulk. Another reason to start your bulk when you're already lean is that lean people are more insulin sensitive. When you're more insulin sensitive, your body is more likely to use the extra calories from food to build muscle and store glycogen, which is your reserve energy for your workouts, than it is to store those extra calories as fat. Better workouts, less fat storage, I like the sound of that. Lastly, hormones like testosterone play a large role in effectively being able to pack on muscle during a bulk. And being at a lean, healthy body fat level gives you the best chance to have the testosterone that you need on hand. And maybe you're wondering, how the heck am I supposed to know what my body fat is? Well, if you Google how to test body fat, it can be pretty overwhelming. The methods range from fat pinching skin fold calipers to DEXA scans to bioelectrical impedance scales and devices to good old-fashioned body measurements. Look, unless you've got a really good reason, which I can't even think of, to know your exact body fat percentage, there's no reason to make this complicated. We're big fans of basing body fat percentage estimates off of photos. All of those fancy and sometimes pricey options that I mentioned earlier, they come with their own set of problems and inaccuracies. So simply Google sample body fat percentage photos as a place to start, and you'll see where you're at instead of shelling your cash out on a costly test. Okay. So now you know if you are a good candidate to bulk up and focus on building muscle. Let's get down into the weeds a little more. Let's talk about the physical side of what makes muscle grow. I don't think you'd be too surprised to know that you can't just close your eyes, eat a pizza, and expect to get bigger biceps. If you want to bulk and get bigger, it's going to take some physical effort, otherwise known as lifting weights. Maybe you've heard us talk about the stress recovery adaptation cycle. This is the process that causes muscle growth and pretty much every other improvement in our body. Here's how it works. You apply a challenging stress to your body, in this case, lifting weights. Then you allow your body to recover through sleep, food, and time off of the gym. Then your body adapts by increasing muscular size and strength to be prepared for future stresses. That's the cycle. But what's really going on behind the scenes? 
Well, when we apply a stress to a muscle by lifting a weight, we're causing little micro tears in the muscle fibers. Don't be scared. This is what we do want. The damage to those fibers triggers the release of hormones and hormone-like factors such as HGF, FGF, IGF, HGH, and testosterone. Growth hormone in particular is released from the pituitary gland after lifting weights, which triggers both fat oxidation for use as energy, as well as telling our muscles to start using the amino acids and the protein that we eat to build and repair muscle. When we recover through adequate rest, sleep, and nutrition, our body repairs those micro tears. It increases the size of the muscle fibers, and it even creates new fibers entirely. How freaking cool is that? The result is bigger, stronger muscles over time. Now, if you're really not putting any effort and intensity into your workouts, you're probably not causing these micro tears and you shouldn't expect your muscles to grow. And if you're doing too much, you can cause too much muscular damage and it'll be hard to recover from. There's a sweet spot in training and it takes a well-designed program and some experience to get it right. You could also hire a professional coach, wink, wink. In short, Depending on what your training age is, which is how many years you've been lifting seriously, you should be hitting a muscle with between 10 and 20 hard sets per week for maximum growth potential. A hard set is one that brings your muscles to around two reps before technical failure. That is the sweet spot. Speaking of things that are sweet, let's talk about the pump. Have you ever done a bunch of reps of an exercise and felt your muscle burn, get super hard, and actually get visibly bigger? We call this the pump. Essentially what's going on when you're all pumped up like a superhero is that your muscles have been flushed with blood in an effort to help shuttle out all of the byproducts of that muscular contraction like lactate. Make sure you take your flexing pictures while you're all pumped up because as that extra blood does its job, you will quickly deflate. Womp womp. The pump is great, but it isn't the main contributor to muscle growth. For that, you should be focused on doing mostly heavy compound lifts that use the most muscle mass over the longest range of motion. These are exercises like the squat, deadlift, overhead press, and bench press. So while the pump is great, focus on those compound lifts and focus on adding weight to the bar on a regular basis to force those muscles to grow and work hard because it matters. Let's move on to the nutrition and recovery side of what makes muscles grow. You better be convinced by now that it's going to take some serious work with the weights to put on real mass, but that's only half the story. Remember, the second step in that cycle we just talked about, the stress recovery adaptation cycle, well, we're after the result that comes in the third step, which is bigger, stronger muscles. But we won't get there if we neglect step number two, recovery. And I'm not talking about using your foam roller, your massage gun, or falling asleep in an ice bath. I'm talking about the scientifically proven elements of recovery, food, sleep, and muscular rest. Let's get real. Most people are not getting enough sleep. Our friends over at the ever popular CDC recommend that healthy adults should get between seven and nine hours of sleep per night on average. That means that if you need to wake up at six, you have to be asleep, not getting ready for bed at 10 p.m. That's no Jimmy Fallon or scrolling TikTok in bed for you. So what's the big deal with sleep when it comes to bulking? Well, a whole freaking lot, actually. If you neglect your sleep, you will not get the most out of your opportunity to grow muscle during a bulk, plain and simple. In fact, some of the restorative processes for muscle repair and growth happen primarily or only during sleep. 
More specifically, during the N3 stage of non-REM sleep, blood flow to muscles increases, the majority of our growth hormone is secreted, and the magic of tissue repair and formation happens. Not only that, but a 2015 study in males showed testosterone reductions between 10 and 15% after just one week of subpar sleep. As one of our anabolic muscle-building hormones in both males and females, you do not want suppressed natural testosterone levels if you're trying to make gains. Other studies have shown significant reductions in insulin sensitivity after just a few nights of poor sleep. Look, sleep is a natural and free performance enhancer. If you're not sleeping and you're worried about what kind of BCAAs you should be taking or the perfect form for bicep curls, your priorities are definitely out of order. Let's move on to food. That's right, baby. Good old calories. If you want to get the most out of your bulk, you gotta eat. We'll talk more in a bit about exactly how much, but without food, there is no growth. If your sleep is dialed in, you're putting in the right amount of work in the gym, and you're not making progress in strength and muscle size during your bulk, it's probably because you're not eating enough and or not eating the right things. If you haven't worked with a nutrition coach before or haven't done much research on nutrition, it's easy to miss the mark on the right way to eat to make the best progress during a bulk. Luckily, you're listening to this episode. If you want to be sure that you nail this whole thing, we can't help. You can apply for coaching in the description section of this episode. Okay, here's the deal. All food contains calories, and calories are what our bodies use for energy and to build new muscle tissue. We can also store those extra calories as body fat. All calories can be broken down into three macronutrient categories, protein, carbs, and fat. Most foods aren't purely made up of one macronutrient, but instead a combination of all three. For example, a piece of bread is mostly carbs, but it also has a little bit of protein and a little bit of fat. Each of the three macronutrients have a role in healthy bodily function, including the roles we care about for this episode on bulking and growing our muscles. Protein is probably the one that you'd be least surprised to hear how important it is. Protein comes primarily from animal sources like meat, dairy, eggs, and fish. But since most foods are combinations of protein, carbs, and fat, you'll see small amounts of protein in most foods, even in things you wouldn't expect like fruits and vegetables. But not all protein is created equally. Those animal sources of protein have a distinct advantage over the others. They contain what we call complete proteins. Complete proteins contain all nine of the essential amino acids that our bodies do not make on their own. You have to get them from food. So what's the big deal with that? Well, three of those amino acids, called the branch chain amino acids, are the ones that we really need and care about for muscle growth. When we eat enough of these amino acids, and one particularly called leucine, our body begins muscle protein synthesis, or MPS. This is the process where we're repairing and growing muscle. It takes about 3 grams of leucine to trigger MPS. In terms of food, that's typically about 25 grams of protein in a meal. MPS is 100% necessary if we want muscle growth and repair. There is just no way around it. Don't eat protein, don't grow. You don't have to eat meat and dairy if you don't want, though. There are still ways to get complete proteins on a vegetarian or vegan diet, but it's going to take a little bit of effort on your part. Be sure and check out episode number 76, where we went deep into what it takes to make gains as a vegetarian. No matter where you get your protein from, you have the opportunity to trigger MPS about every four hours or so. That means eating three protein-containing meals per day and a snack or two will help you get the most out of your bulk. 
Timing your protein is less important than the daily total. But if you're really dialed in, try to have about 25 grams of protein before an AM workout that's done in a fasted state and try to eat a protein-rich meal or a protein shake within a couple hours of training to put your body back into a muscle-building state. Okay, what about carbohydrates? There's probably no more hotly debated topic in diet and nutrition than carbohydrates. Should we avoid them? Will they make us fat? Diets like the carnivore diet and the ketogenic diet have poured plenty of gasoline on the fire of this subject. All right, let's stay on topic and see how carbohydrates affect our mission to pack on slabs of muscle during our bulk. Carbs come from a lot of different foods, everything from fruits and veggies to Pop-Tarts. And when we eat carbs, our body converts them to glucose, which is sugar in our blood. Glucose circulates in the blood, and it's the primary energy source from everything from muscle contraction to brain function. That sounds like a pretty big deal, right? So after we eat, the messenger hormone insulin tells nutrients like glucose where to go and what to do when they're in the blood. I wrote a long article about this on the topic of insulin, which I will link in the show notes if you're curious. Another cool thing is that we have the ability to store carbohydrates in our muscles and in our liver as reserve energy called glycogen. Since we're not always eating and our energy demands vary throughout the day, glycogen is at the ready when glucose from food isn't available in our blood. Glycogen is also the primary source for short, intense exercise, like lifting weights. Ding, ding, ding. Remember that whole thing about how you have to create muscle damage through weightlifting to get the most out of your bulk? Well, you're going to need plenty of carbohydrates on board if you're going to push some weights with intensity. No carbs, no glycogen. That's a recipe for poor performance. Maybe you think I'm poo-pooing on low-carb diets like the ketogenic or carnivore diet. I'm really not. I'm just giving you the physiological facts. Are you a long-distance runner? Well, you don't need much glycogen because long-distance efforts are powered mostly by oxygen and fat. But if you're looking to put on muscle, you're going to want some carbs. Think about it this way. There's two forces at work when it comes to muscle growth and bulking. There's the building of the muscle, which requires an anabolic state, and there's the breaking down of the muscle, which is called a catabolic state. The catabolic state comes from breaking down a muscle through exercise, poor sleep, and undereating. The anabolic state comes from eating enough total calories, eating enough protein and carbs, and by resting. To end up with muscle growth, we need more of the anabolic and less of the catabolic on average over time. So how does that relate to carbs? Well, studies show that eating carbs and protein together before and after exercise helps our body minimize the effects of catabolism and promotes an anabolic state. In other words, eating carbs and protein together are anabolic, and they help you build more muscle than just eating protein alone. So does it matter what kind of carbs you eat? Well, the truth is that our bodies are really good at using pretty much any fuel we put in them, but your health matters too. And we wouldn't be doing a good job if we promoted what we believe to be bad habits and choices that can lead to poor health outcomes over time. We recommend getting about 80 plus percent of your calories, including carbs, from real foods that grew out of the ground or walked on the earth at some point. You'll feel better. And anecdotally, we find that body composition in our clients is improved on a mostly unprocessed food diet. Try to get most of your carbs from fruits vegetables, grains, legumes, and beans, and then have an occasional piece of cake to keep things fun. So how about dietary fat? How does it play in? Well, if you want to be healthy, have good hormone function, recover well, and have normal menstruation as a woman, and have healthy skin, hair, and nails, there is a minimum amount of fat you need to eat on average per day. But the thing is, the standard Western diet would have us eating two to four times that amount easily in an average day. 
And although total calories are important for building muscle, getting too many of those calories from fat can not only rob the calories available for protein and carbs, but it can lead to poor health outcomes. Not to mention, fat is really a suboptimal fuel source for building muscle. Saturated fat in particular, mainly from meat sources, should be limited to less than 10% of your total daily calorie intake to keep your risk for heart disease and high cholesterol in check. We'll talk a little bit more about fat later on. Okay, we have covered a lot, but we are not done yet. So far, you're armed with some great info that will help you get the most out of your muscle building bulk. Let's get more specific so you can absolutely nail it. We can break this part down into two main sections training and nutrition. Let's start with training. I use the word training on purpose. Training is different than exercise. Training is designed specifically to get more and more challenging over time. Exercise is more random, and while it can improve your fitness, it's not guaranteed to cause muscle growth. If you want to maximize your muscle growth during your bulk, you need to be training. Even on days when you're not at 100%, you need to be training. Even when it's inconvenient, and you don't want to, you need to be training. And when you're training, you need to keep a log of what you're doing in a journal, log or app or somewhere, so you can make sure that you're making progress over time. If you're not sure what to do in your training, focus 75% of your efforts on the four main exercises that we talked about earlier and their variants, the squat, deadlift, overhead press, and horizontal presses like the bench press. Why those exercises? Well, it's simple. Like I said, they use the most amount of muscle, over the longest range of motion, and they can be loaded the heaviest. And then fill in the other 25% of your training with supplemental single joint and compound exercises that can be loaded heavily also. These are things like barbell curls, Romanian deadlifts, lunges, and dumbbell exercises like Arnold presses, rows, and the dumbbell bench press. Never forget, muscles need to be challenged in order to grow. So many people, including ourselves, wasted so many years in the gym hoping for visual progress when all along they weren't pushing hard enough on the right exercises. If you're relatively new to lifting weights, you should expect to make rapid progress adding weight to the bar and reps to your set very, very frequently. If you've been at this for a few years, you might increase your weights and reps more slowly. But if you aren't putting in the effort, don't expect progress and growth. Helping people make rapid progress safely is our specialty, especially if you've done group classes that have never helped you see results. How about doing cardio, you ask? Well, quite frankly, cardio isn't necessary or very productive when bulking. Your weightlifting effort should be intense enough and frequent enough that you need almost all of your body's recovery efforts to go towards muscle growth and repair. Long bouts of cardio would fall under the catabolic category and would take away from the goal of your bulk. Cardio is also working against your total balance of calories. You need those calories to recover and build muscle. If you absolutely can't live without cardio from a stress relief or a lifestyle perspective, try to keep bouts short and intense and no more than once or twice a week. The good news is that cardiovascular endurance returns quickly once you start doing it again on a regular basis. So don't get too caught up on any lost progress in that regard. Let's touch on rest days. Like we talked about previously, Recovery and rest are mandatory parts of the stress recovery adaptation cycle. Don't work against yourself by working out seven days a week. Plan on taking two to three days off completely with only light daily activity to give your bodies and your muscles a chance to grow. Okay, on to the part that people struggle with the most regardless of their goal, nutrition. The part that trips 99% of people up when it comes to making changes with their body. 
I think deep down we all know how important nutrition is, but learning about food and actually sticking with a plan is just so darn hard. The payoff from proper nutrition, no matter what your goal is, isn't an immediate thing. It takes time and patience. And in the days of Amazon Prime, we typically just aren't good at that. But here's what you need to know and put into practice on the nutrition front to get the most out of your muscle building bulk. Calories. You need calories. Maybe that sounds like common sense, but you would be surprised how many people with the goal of gaining muscle and strength simply aren't eating enough. To build muscle, you need a surplus of calories over and above the amount that it takes you just to survive. Everyone's calorie needs are different. It depends on factors like sex, height, weight, age, body fat to muscle mass ratio, activity level, previous diet experience, and genetics. The simplest way to know how many calories your body needs to maintain its current size is to track what you eat in an app like MyFitnessPal for about a week while you monitor your weight. Average out your calories over the course of the week, and assuming your weight stayed about the same, you've found your maintenance calories or your total daily energy expenditure. There's also online calculators that will help you get in the ballpark of your maintenance calories, but since there's so many individualized factors, I would just consider those a starting place. So now you know you need calories and you know you need more of them than you're burning if you're going to build muscle. Well, how many calories do you need? There's two schools of thought when it comes to how much to eat when bulking. There's dirty bulking and lean bulking. Dirty bulking is kind of what it sounds like. This is the go mad diet or gallon of milk per day or eat an entire pizza every day approach. Will you gain weight and muscle rapidly with a dirty bulk? For sure you will. But you know what else you'll gain rapidly in the process? Body fat. There's a few problems with this approach. First, how you break your calories down across the three macronutrients, protein, carbs, and fat matters. It matters a lot. Simply throwing a bunch of calories haphazardly into your diet is a bad idea unless your goal is to just get fluffy. The second problem with dirty bulking is that you're setting yourself up for headaches and frustration down the road because of the result of all that extra fat that you accumulated in the process. Losing all that fat is going to mean you're going to have to spend more time in the future in a calorie deficit to lose it. If you've ever dieted for fat loss, you know that means the unfortunate side effects of hunger and restriction, among other things. Lastly, going crazy on high-calorie processed foods for an extended period can lead to an unhealthy relationship with food, or at a minimum, some bad habits that you wouldn't want to carry on long-term. We prefer a more measured, smarter approach to bulking. An approach that takes a little more science and a little more effort than simply polishing off 2,300 extra calories of milk per day. You can call this method lean bulking. It's kind of a silly name, but the goal is to take a measured approach to your calorie surplus that helps you build as much muscle and gain the least amount of fat during your bulk. To lean bulk right, you should track your calorie intake as well as your individual protein, carbs, and fat. Here's how to do it. You already know that you need to be in a calorie surplus to grow those muscles and get stronger. That is priority number one. If you haven't already figured out your maintenance calories, do that first. We told you how earlier. Now here's how to find how many calories you need to eat to bulk up without gaining a bunch of fat. Start with an extra 10%. Yep, it really is that simple. But that's not the end of it. Our bodies have a bunch of pretty awesome ways to deal with extra calories besides building muscle and storing fat. And then there's the fact that your lean bulking calories will change over time and might not be as many as you had hoped. 
If you fall under the ectomorph or hard gainer category, don't be surprised if you end up having to go way past an extra 10% of calories to start building substantial muscle. This is one of the reasons that having a coach is helpful since there's so many individualized variables. The sweet spot for weight gain when lean bulking is right around a half to 1% of your body weight gained per month. Building new muscle takes extra calories, but to do this right, you need to add those calories in gradually at a rate that doesn't make you gain weight too quickly. And you might have guessed that this is not an overnight process either. Start with that 10% calorie surplus. And if you aren't gaining weight within that half to 1% range after three to four weeks, add another 5% total calories via carbohydrates and continue to monitor your weight. Speaking of monitoring, take photos of yourself and body measurements weekly also. Sometimes the scale doesn't tell the entire story. So your calories are set. How should you set your protein, carbohydrates, and fat for lean bulking? Well, protein is really important for muscle growth, so we're going to want to have enough of that on hand. When we give general guidelines for daily protein, we recommend that you eat between 0.8 and 1.2 grams of protein per day per pound that you weigh. The sweet spot for lean bulking intake is right near the middle to high end of that range, depending on your body weight and your body fat percentage. Aiming for 1 to 1.1 grams of protein per day per pound on average will put you right where you need to be. If you've been eating substantially lower than that, I'd recommend bringing your protein up over the course of a couple weeks, about 25 extra grams per week, until you reach your target to minimize any potential digestive distress. Remember, not all protein is the same, so try to make sure that most of your protein comes from animal sources or complete vegetable protein sources like soy and pea. We talked earlier about how fat is necessary for good hormone function, among other things. But since it's not terribly useful for recovery and muscle building like protein and carbs are, we recommend keeping dietary fat relatively low and saving those calories for the anabolic macronutrients. Females typically need more dietary fat than men to maintain healthy hormone function, so we recommend that they set their fat intake somewhere around 0.4 grams per day per pound that they weigh for lean bulking, and about 0.36 grams per day for men. Again, these are estimates. If you've been eating intuitively or haven't ever tracked how much fat you're eating, don't be surprised if you're eating quite a bit more than those numbers. For example, a 130-pound female may only need about 55 grams of fat per day when lean bulking. And FYI, a Chick-fil-A sandwich and a large waffle fry have 43 grams of fat from that meal alone. We're not demonizing fat, but the fact is that fat adds up quickly, and most of us eat way more than we need. Moving on to carbohydrates. I saved this one for last because I knew you'd really want to know how many carbs to eat while bulking. Well, get excited because you're about to get plenty. Remember, carbs are literally energy for our bodies. They're converted into glucose in our bodies and then are ready for immediate use. They're also stored in our muscles and liver as reserve energy, glycogen, for hard efforts like weightlifting. If you've ever had a few low-carb days or weeks and then suddenly reintroduce carbs into your diet, you know that you feel almost superhuman with all that extra energy. Carbohydrates are great both pre- and post-workout. 30 to 50 grams of carbohydrates an hour or so before your workout will ensure that you have plenty of glucose for energy. And post-workout carbs plus protein can speed the recovery process and get muscle protein synthesis started quickly. I like to think of carbohydrates as the gas pedal of nutrition. When we want to increase performance and growth, we push on the throttle and increase carbs. When we don't need as much energy or we don't want to grow, we pull back. They're also an easy variable to adjust without much disruption to your regular life. Want to add 25 grams of carbs to your diet? Have some oatmeal with breakfast or add 100 grams of rice to dinner. So how many carbs should you be eating when bulking or lean bulking? 
All right, get out your calculator. You already calculated your total calories for bulking earlier based on your TDEE plus your surplus. You also already calculated how many grams of protein and fat you need to eat during your bulk. All right, take your grams of protein and multiply it times four because there's four calories and a gram of protein. Now take your grams of fat and multiply it times nine because there's nine calories and a gram of fat. Add those numbers together and subtract them out of your total calorie goal. Now take that number and divide it by four because there's four calories per gram of carbohydrates. That number you just got is how many grams of carbohydrates you should start with for your lean bulk. I know this can be a little bit confusing. The truth is that this is just a starting point anyway. Try these numbers for three or four weeks consistently. If you're not gaining size and weight slowly and steadily, it's time to step on the gas pedal. Add 20 to 30 grams of carbs to your targets and monitor for about two weeks. If nothing happens, do it again. Nutrition and nutrition coaching is equal parts science, experimentation, experience, and art. Everyone responds differently, so try to enjoy the process instead of letting it stress you out. Before we wrap up on carbohydrates, I want to mention that if your new carbohydrate target is substantially higher than what you've been currently eating, you'll likely see a pretty substantial weight gain right off the bat. When our body stores carbohydrates as glycogen in our muscles and liver, it brings along with it plenty of water also. That extra water weight can cause you to question your life's decisions if you aren't prepared for it and you think you're rapidly gaining fat. You're not, so you can relax. Remember, it takes an overabundance of calories, not carbs, to gain fat. Okay, take a deep breath and let's talk about supplements. You don't need supplements to build muscle, but there are two main ones that really can help. Here's one you can take that's low risk, cheap, and has enough research to say that it absolutely works. Creatine monohydrate. Creatine is a natural compound made up of the amino acids L-arginine, glycine, and methionine. Your body already makes creatine, just not as much as is optimal for what we want. Creatine allows our body to shorten the cycle of energy turnover in our cells. More creatine in the muscles means the ability to do more reps with more weight. No need to get fancy or spend a bunch of money on designer creatine out there. Just get creatine monohydrate and take 5 grams of it every day. Okay, the second supplement, protein powder. Really, this is more of a convenience thing than anything else. There's nothing magical in protein powder that you can't get from food. But it sure is nice sometimes to drink a refreshing shake after a workout than chewing on a chicken wing. Want to know what to look for in a protein powder? A high-quality protein powder should have about 25 grams of protein and about 5.5 grams of the BCAAs that we mentioned earlier. Wow, we covered a lot of ground today. Let's do a quick review and hit the high notes of bulking one more time. Bulking is gaining weight on purpose with the intent of building muscle size and strength. Males should aim to be around 10% body fat before bulking, and ladies somewhere around 20%. Our muscles grow as a result of breaking down the fibers through weightlifting and recovering through sleep, food, and time away from the gym. It takes a surplus of calories over and above our normal intake to cause muscle growth. Bulking by haphazardly eating many more calories than you need is a quick path to excess fat and poor habits. A small caloric surplus of 10% held continuously with adjustments to carbohydrates is the smart approach, but it takes a little more work. Supplements can help, but aren't mandatory. Creatine and protein powder are the safest and simplest options. Okay, thanks so much for listening to this episode. I hope that it was helpful for you. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out to me at jonathan at digitalbarbell.com. This is what we do all day, every day. 
We also wrote a calorie and macronutrient calculator that you can use to help you get in the ballpark of the goals that we discussed in this episode. You can download it for free in the description of this episode. If you'd like to apply to work with us one-on-one, simply send us a message and we'll talk. Have a great day, friends. Thank you all for listening. We truly appreciate it. But real quick, before we go, do us a favor and subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review. Be sure and follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Digital Barbell for all of the latest and greatest free content. If you're interested in working with Blakely and I, we'd love to talk. Apply for coaching with the link in the description of this episode or by visiting digitalbarbell.com. We'd love to talk about helping you reach your goals with a training and nutrition program built just for you. Thanks again and have a great day.